0: It's March 6, 2009. It's a cold Friday night in Tenino, Washington. Population, just shy of 1,700. Nancy Moyer, a young, beautiful mother of two, has just ended her shift at the Department of Ecology, where she's worked at for the last 12 years. Nancy gets dropped off by one of her coworkers that she usually carpools with. Nancy leaves and heads to the local grocery store to pick up food and wine for the weekend. Nancy heads back home after she is done shopping. She's spotted by a local policeman down the street running radar who sees Nancy unloading groceries into her house. Later on that night, Nancy's neighbor claims to have overheard someone in her driveway saying, Hurry up. Let's get going. And then the car door shuts. The neighbor didn't see who the person was, but thought it was Nancy speaking to her daughters. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Nancy had recently separated two years prior from her husband, Bill. Her two daughters would stay with Bill on the weekends and with Nancy on the weekdays. Fast forward to Sunday. Bill is returning their two daughters back to Nancy's house as usual. When he arrives, he notices the front door is open. He thinks that Nancy is out for a walk or a jog. That was something normal for Nancy. Bill returns home with their two daughters, and then comes back a little later to Nancy's house, hoping that she would have returned. When he arrives a second time, Nancy is still gone. Nancy has never been seen since. This is the true crime story of Nancy Moyer's disappearance. If you have any information regarding Nancy's disappearance, please contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Department. This is Hide and Seek. I'm your host, James Basinger. She's roaming like a pagan Searching places that I've never gone destroy walls, the thinnest walls But ain't no rock to stop me from getting through. Saying out a whisper to me, Your feet can't stand the earth below. Let them rest in Hey guys, welcome to Season 1 of Hide and Seek. For the past six months, I've been trying to put the puzzle together of Nancy Moyer's disappearance, a 10-year-old cold case which is now considered a nobody homicide. Now, before we get started, I just want you guys to know I am not a detective or a private investigator. I'm actually an insurance agent. Growing up, my family and I would always watch TV shows such as Unsolved Mysteries, Dateline, IDTV, and I've listened to just about every podcast out there that has a mystery and a crime behind it. Now, I know that doesn't make me an expert in criminology or true crime mysteries, but what I am doing here is what you can call taking a leap of faith. To begin, I wanted to find a case that was somewhat local to where I was at. That way I could work on it from home. Obviously, it makes it easier for me. I typed in my Google search bar, Unsolved Mysteries, Washington State, and everything from DB Cooper, Ted Bundy, and the Green River Killer poured through my results. After reading through countless missing person reports, I came across a newspaper article titled, Without a Trace. After reading this article, I became extremely intrigued with Nancy's case. I also felt sympathetic towards her family. She had two young girls who, at this point, have grown up most of their lives without a mother. I dove right in. I researched every blog, article, and web forum I could find that pertained to Nancy's case. I also spent a lot of my time reading in the comment section. Something I found odd was a lot of these individuals leaving comments shared detailed information. Information that wasn't public knowledge or in any of the articles I was reading. I came across a username that looked very familiar. Sam Moyer 99. It was Nancy's daughter. Sam had opened up an AMA session on Reddit's website and if you don't know what AMA stands for, it means Ask Me Anything. So she's actually taking questions straight from the audience. I sent Sam a private message on Reddit, letting her know what I was doing and what my motives were. Some time went by and I hadn't heard anything in response. To be honest, I started to get a little discouraged, but then what do you know? A Reddit notification flashes across my phone. Sam is willing to talk. We arranged a time to speak and for her to answer questions about what she had remembered. However. As the time approached, Sam shared with me that she had changed her mind and no longer wanted to speak. When I first messaged with Sam, she asked me what the name of my podcast was, because she wanted to listen to it when it came out. She looked up my podcast name and saw that I didn't have anything up yet. We were still in the beginning stages of recording, and in her words, she didn't want to speak because she didn't know if we were legit. After reading her message, initially, I was pretty disappointed. But you have to look at this from Sam's perspective. I could be a journalist looking for a juicy quote since this March is the 10-year anniversary of Nancy's disappearance. I push forward in my investigation to see who else I can get in contact with. So who better than the detective himself? I found in my research there have actually been three for Nancy's case. Sound like a lot? Keep in mind that this case has been going on for 10 years. And as I later learn, once it's been on a detective's desk for so long, it gets reassigned to a new detective. Detective Haller was the first detective on the case when it opened. He has since retired and is currently not available to speak due to health conditions. I reached out to the second detective. His name is Ben Elkins. Besides Detective Haller, Ben has done the most work on Nancy's case. At the beginning of this year, Ben was reassigned to patrol, and the case reassigned yet to another detective. Because I began interviewing Ben, even though he had just transitioned back to patrol, the details of the case are still very well known to him. I spent most of my time speaking with him.
1: How's your day going? All right. You know, not too bad. I just said this guy went off the road and into a fence. I don't know. He fell asleep, so... Lucky oh, nobody gosh. was walking on the sidewalk. No kidding. Is he okay, Hellfire? Oh guys? yeah. Before
0: we got started, yeah, so I wanted to explain to Ben like what well, my motives well, and what what reasons were for calling again? him. Yep. I can't imagine him receiving many phone calls about a ten-year-old cold case. case. Unfortunately, um, we did get interrupted every now and a then.
1: Session on Reddit. I don't know if you know. Uh, if what been, been, yeah. well What's uh? Hold on, just a sec. Uh, trying to Go ahead. Radio One Metro, you show me off there for a moment. All right, cool. So, I guess I'll ask just some questions I've put together that I kind of want to hear your input and what your your history on knowing the case. Who who originally started the the investigation on Nancy's story? So, it initially started with the city of it's um, it's a small city, Tenino. Yeah. And they they initially did the missing person call where they wrote a a missing person report and -hmm. then after you know she hadn't returned i think i think it was three days then they asked for the assistance from the sheriff's office Mm -hmm. and that was um at the time detective dave power and that's retired he's retired yeah okay
0: ben shared with me that that the reason why they reassigned the case once it's been on your desk for so long is because maybe the new detective can see something that you're not. It's kind of like a new, fresh pair of eyes looking over the case and the details of it.
1: And then went back with new eyes and just re-interviewed everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, you know, verify. And in in my case, because there was a lot of people that, you know, had had a relationship with her, was good friends with her. And what Mm -hmm. I did is I actually video recorded some of the, the interviews. So so I just wanted to, re- you know, reconfirm and get a feel for the case for myself. Yeah. And so I just went back and re-interviewed everybody, you know. But over the years, you know, from the first time I started the case, from going through it and then, and then actively doing interviews and such, you know, it was an easy five years of various follow-up and, and tips and all that that I would look into, and, and unfortunately nothing, nothing panned out. Cases that you've taken on—is there anything else that was remotely close to just how bizarre this is? No. So all the other ones, all the other homicides I did, we were able to find the bad guys and convict them. You know. So now this—this this was by far the most difficult case that I was handed, handed down to take care of, and you know, and, and like I said, the the biggest problem was—I say criminology—it's it's actually called the victimology the victimology for Nancy was like next to none. So that made it very difficult because I reached out to BHR, you know, the behavior unit Mm -hmm. for uh, FBI for help from them. I reached out to uh, a journalist in DC that put on a no body homicide class, reached out to him, you know, reached out locally, you know, other detectives and there's just nothing else that I, that I feel I could have done and you know like I said the biggest hardest part was there was literally zero evidence to to point a finger anywhere or any direction that's what sucked. So yeah definitely to answer your question by far the most hardest.
0: I don't know if you can hear it in Ben's voice like I can but he sounds frustrated. Frustrated with Nancy's case and the fact that he hasn't been able to solve her mystery. I mean, all the other homicides he has been assigned, has been able to solve. Ben has used all of the resources possible. He's reached out to the FBI and various specialists. So in a way, it's kind of like this case is haunting him. And how does this happen in a place like Tonino? I mean, the town is small, population around 1700. And if you know anything about small towns, everyone knows everyone. There is no keeping secrets. During my research, I've seen some people raise the question that maybe Nancy chose to disappear because she wanted to live her own life. I'm not buying that. Nancy had a 12-year career, she loved what she was doing, she loved her family, and she especially loved her daughters. To think that she would just abandon them? I don't believe that that's what Nancy did. I believe that something happened to Nancy. I feel that if we want to find out what happened to Nancy, we need to know more about who Nancy was. I've been unsuccessful in my attempts to speak with Nancy's husband, Bill, and her sister, Sharon. So I reached out to a close friend of Nancy's. Her name is Erica.
2: Hey, Erica? Yes. How are you doing? James Hi. Basinger. Oh. Good, oh. good. I'm doing oh. good. How long did you know Nancy for? Um, Since high school. Since high school? Yes. Yeah. In-
1: and then did you guys just meet, uh, wh- which high school did you guys attend?
2: Uh, Olympia High School.
1: Olympia High School?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: I started off by asking Erica just some general questions about her relationship with Nancy and how it started. I could tell early on that not only were Erica and Nancy close friends, but she was willing to answer just about any question that I had. We went
2: to school all four years together, so I I believe it was freshman year.
0: If you
1: could just share with me, like, what kind of person Nancy was in high school growing up and her personality or character, you know, just amongst her friends in school. Was she outgoing, class clown?
2: I think she was pretty outgoing because she liked um, every type of person. It didn't matter who you were. She kind of, I don't know, she she liked everybody. It, it didn't matter if you were poor or rich or... You know, just popular or not popular. She, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, she was this bubbly, very happy person. Um, just really fun to be around.
1: Would you consider her one of your best friends or closest friends?
2: One of my closest friends. I She had her her best friends, but she, I don't know. She just had a, a way of, of treating you that made you feel special. She really did. I mean, she made me feel like I was her best friend. She was just a great person that way.
1: Did you guys keep in in, contact?
0: Erica and I talked for quite a while. After she was done sharing who Nancy was, I wanted to find out more about the time when she found out Nancy had disappeared and what she remembers. Yeah. How did you find out that Nancy had disappeared?
2: Oh, the flyers. All over the place. And I saw it on the news. I was in a client's house. I was a caregiver at the time. And I saw her on like channel five or something. And I couldn't believe it when I saw her face. It just me. I was like, no way, that couldn't be Nancy. It was surreal to see uh, someone I know missing, you know? And then um, I think I got online or something, copied off some. Wires and put them on my car. So I drove around with, with it on my car for a while. Did you
1: live close to Tenaino at that time?
2: No, no. At that time, I lived in Pierce County. I was living in Graham. So, yeah, I just, I drove around with it on my car then, so.
0: Tenino is a very small town, so when Nancy disappeared... The Police Department had reached out to Thurston County Sheriff's Department to assist with the investigation. That's when Nancy's coworkers, friends, and family put together a search party to see if they could find her. One stipulation, though, was that Nancy's husband and kids could not participate. That was something that Thurston County Sheriff's Department requested. Did right. you participate on any of
1: the searches when when Nancy first disappeared?
2: I wanted to, but every time that they were doing one, I was working. So I I couldn't come down uh, to search, but I wanted to. I wish I could have. Because then I could have, you know, reconnected with maybe some people that uh, knew her, and I was grieving at the time, too, you know, with everybody else. So, you know, it would have been nice to talk to other people who are grieving also. So, I I did at some point reach out to her mother. I wrote her some letters. So, and I got some letters back from her mother. So, that was nice.
0: As Erica and I were talking, she brought up a specific moment in time Nancy and Erica ran into each other at the local grocery store in Tenino. I found this situation to be a bit odd with how it went down. I'll let Erica explain what happened.
2: Then, a year before she disappeared, I was visiting my cousin in Rainier, and I went to a store in Tanino, the only store, and I ran into her and her husband um, at the time, Bill. That was kind of weird, and um talked to her for a little bit. And we were talking about our kids, and um, she had t- told me at the time she wanted to have another baby, um, but I guess that never happened because her and Bill split up, but... Um, but yeah, at the time that I think that was 2008, because she disappeared in 2009. You said
1: when she went to the store, she was with her husband Bill at the time. I, yes, I'm. I'm. I want to say that. Do you, do you think it could have been maybe in 2007? because her
0: I don't know if you caught that, but Erica is referring to a time that Nancy and Bill ran into Erica at the grocery store in 2008. Remember, Nancy and Bill separated in 2007. I thought that maybe she had her years mixed up. But you can hear how adamant Erica feels about this.
1: Because her and Bill, I believe, separated. Maybe they were just still...
2: They said that she did, but she wasn't. She wasn't, she was seeing him at the time or something because those two were at the store together. I'm I'm pretty sure it was 2008. So um, yeah, I don't think either they don't have their facts straight or uh, maybe they were seeing each other at that time.
0: So why is this incident odd to me? Well, Nancy and Bill had just separated in 2007. And if this interaction happened in 2008, I've come to the knowledge that Nancy was dating a guy that same year. I haven't been able to make contact with this gentleman yet, so I don't want to use his name in the podcast. But she was dating him a year before she disappeared. That would have been during the same year that Erica ran into Nancy at the grocery store with her then-separated husband, Bill. So Nancy is sharing with Erica that she wants to have more kids with Bill, yet they had just recently separated, and Nancy is dating another guy. I'm not saying couples don't get back together or rekindle relationships, but this was also during a time that Nancy was having fun and enjoying other relationships. I don't know. I just find it a little odd since no one has ever mentioned this in all the articles I've read. I'll need to get back in touch with Detective Elkins to see if he had heard or was aware about this encounter. As I mentioned before, I wondered if Erica was getting her timeline wrong. but. Erica was going through something personal during that time. And what I know, if you need to look back and try to remember a particular timeline, usually a significant event, whether traumatic or good, behaves as an emotional timestamp in your memory.
2: That was a, it was a a moment in time for me that I remember the year um uh, because of some stuff that was going on with myself and then you know, uh So I and I wanted to wanted to share all the stuff of my life with her but I didn't have that opportunity. So I remember, you know, it being two
1: thousand eight. The when they split up that it was cordial, you know, for the sake of the children especially, but then you know, like you said, maybe they rekindled and they were starting to see each other again and
2: Yeah. Because she seemed really happy. I mean, she she seemed like they were together and um, you know, she was, like I said, talking about wanting to have another baby, you know, it just kind of made me, I uh, kind of depressed about my own situation. And then, um, uh, then, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, we said her goodbyes and that was it. And I should have gotten her phone number and till this day, I kicked myself for not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Erica didn't ask for Nancy's phone number. She also didn't have any idea that this would be the very last time she would ever speak to or see Nancy again. You can hear how, to this day, Erica still carries the burden of this. Erica and I wrapped up our conversation. After we were done talking, I started looking right into the suspects the detectives lined up. Naturally, when someone goes missing, the spouse or significant other is initially the prime suspect. So then was Nancy's estranged husband Bill considered a suspect? Of course he was. Now, he had an alibi. He had the girls that weekend. What I've learned is that Bill's heart towards Nancy hadn't changed before or after they separated. Bill wanted to be with Nancy. It was Nancy who wanted to separate. Bill didn't want a divorce, which is why they only separated and never filed. I've been told that Bill still had hopes that they would eventually get back together. Detective Haller originally interviewed Bill when Nancy disappeared. He said that Bill was very cooperative and answered all the questions they had. They didn't have any concerns and even ruled out Bill as a suspect early on. They went as far as going on TV and announcing this. So, if we want to look at all the suspects here, let's go back to the timeline of the day Nancy disappeared and see who interacted with her. It's March 6th. Friday morning and Nancy is getting her girls ready and sends them off to school. She then carpools to work with a colleague. And because I don't feel comfortable using his name at this time, we're going to call this man Mark. Nancy and Mark carpool to the Department of Ecology in the city of Lacey. Lacey is approximately 20 to 25 minutes from Tonino. I don't have any other information about Nancy's work day other than Nancy and Mark leave together after they clock out and go back to their homes in Tonino. When interviewed by detectives, Mark shares that Nancy said she was looking forward to a relaxing weekend by herself since her girls were at their dad's. Mark then drops off Nancy at her house. The time could be anywhere between 5.30 and 6.00 p.m. Soon after she has been dropped off, Nancy heads to the grocery store to pick up a bottle of wine and food for the weekend. We can confirm that the time Nancy was at the store was somewhere between 7.15 and 7.30, based on the receipt they found inside Nancy's home. The time is now between 7.30 and 8.00 p.m. when Nancy is spotted by a local policeman running radar. He sees her pull up to her house and unload groceries. Nancy is still alone. This is the last time Nancy has ever been seen, Now, here is a key moment in time for Nancy's story. Between 11.30pm and 12am, Nancy's neighbor claims to have overheard a woman's voice saying, hurry up, let's get going. They hear a car door shut and the vehicle takes off. The neighbor could not confirm nor deny it was Nancy's voice, just that it was a woman's voice. The neighbor assumed at the time that it was Nancy talking to her daughters, however, We know that that's not the case since the girls were at their dad's. When we're trying to figure out when Nancy disappeared, there's a strong possibility it was between 11.30 and 12 a.m. because Nancy's heating spiked during that time and remained on for the rest of the weekend. Fast forward to Sunday evening. Bill is returning their daughters back to Nancy's home. When they arrive, they notice that the front door is left open. They enter the house and call out for Nancy but she's nowhere to be seen. Bill takes his girls back to his house thinking Nancy may have gone out for a walk. When he returns the second time a couple hours later, Nancy is still not home. At this point, Bill knows that something is wrong. Nancy has never missed a pickup or drop off when it comes to their girls. That is when Bill files the missing person report. Allow me to set the scene for you. There is no sign of forced entry. Nancy's lights and TV are left on. A glass of wine had been poured, and another glass is sitting next to it. Nancy's purse, keys, and identification are inside. So what next? As Detective Haller looks through Nancy's home, everything is where it should be. There are no signs of a struggle between two individuals. Based on Detective Elkins and Haller's report of Bill, I feel it's safe to say Bill isn't a suspect. So, Bill... If you're listening to this, I hope we can speak soon. If our theory isn't that Nancy chose to leave, then what happened to her? We get our first break when detectives find someone called Nancy's house four times and left two voicemails that Friday evening. It's a guy. Oh, and get this. This gentleman just so happens to work with Nancy. Next week on Hide and Seek.
2: basically, he told
1: Haller that he had this, you know, sexual affair with her and everything was kosher. And then a couple weeks later, they were supposed to go out. She didn't show up. So he just randomly went to her house and then a and uh, bunch of other stuff went on regarding him being at the house.
2: And all of a sudden, I noticed this man always walking by my cubicle. Why are you coming here? I don't know you. I don't work with you.
0: And it just, it just struck me as so odd. She's wrong like a pig Searching places that I've never gone Destroying holes, a thinnest bones. Let no rock stop me from getting through. for listening guys if you enjoyed the first episode of hide and seek please subscribe rate and review to keep more episodes like this coming your way our graphic design is created by jordan robinson mix and mastering by hymns and thunder studio and our theme song borders is written and recorded by colin dale